whatever you do, remember your health. Whatever you do, remember your health. Whatever you do. Hi, good morning. My name is Farzana Kapadi. I'm a deputy editor for the American Journal of Public Health, and I'm here today with Dr. Danielle Tarantola, who is an associate editor at the American Journal of Public Health. And he has agreed to join us and talk about the monkeypox pandemic that we are currently experiencing. So I'll turn it over to Dr. Tarantola to introduce himself and explain how he's involved in this. Dr. Tarantola. Thank you, Farzana. My name is Daniel Tarantola. I studied and lived for a number of years in France, my, my country of residence. I joined WHO in my early days after my graduation, and I got involved in the eradication of smallpox, particularly in Bangladesh, where I was privileged to lead the team at some point and attend the last case of smallpox major, variola major, the worst case, the worst type of smallpox in Bangladesh back in the 70s. I eventually went to Harvard and after a number of years there, I rejoined WHO as a special advisor to the director general on policies. And at the same time, the director of the department of vaccines and biologicals I will say that monkeypox belongs to the same family as variola, the virus responsible for smallpox. It is what is called an orthopox virus. It affected humans, particularly in the Congo area, in the, what is today the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and was really evidenced in the 1970s, particularly because before that, there was quite a bit of vaccination against smallpox. And the vaccine had the advantage of also uh, being effective against monkeypox virus. When smallpox vaccination was suspended after the eradication in 1981, then more monkeypox cases came out, particularly in children, because they had not been vaccinated. The old section of the population had been vaccinated against smallpox and therefore were at least partly protected. And so it spread largely in the DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And there were also exportation of cases in neighboring areas, for example, the Cameroon and others. He, after smallpox eradication was pronounced in 1981, we saw cases in the DRC. We saw cases also being exported occasionally to countries in the Northern Hemisphere through contacts, being through travelers and whatnot. Very few cases who generally did not spread locally. And then we saw another focus, uh, monkeypox, in Nigeria, starting in the 1980s, and which basically followed the same pattern of transmission as monkeypox in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, in both places, both sub-regions of Africa, there were a few differences between the viruses, we call them clades, so there were two clades, one in the Congo, which was relatively severe, could be severe in young children, and the other in Nigeria, which appear to be milder than this. Both epidemics, occasional outbreaks of monkeypox still occur. 
And what happened here is that over several years, over the last 50 years post-eradication of smallpox, we saw exportations to countries that normally were not endemic or did not fit the usual pattern of tropical countries and whatnot. We saw cases in Europe and we saw cases in the US as well, particularly uh, an outbreak in recently where 47 cases were diagnosed, confirmed mm -hmm. with monkeypox, which seemed to have been related to the importation of prairie dogs by pet owners. And following this outbreak, the animal trade coming from overseas in the U.S. to the U.S. were regulated with them as a result of the discovery of those monkeypox secondary cases. So, Danielle, um, may I ask yeah. uh, just a question? So these early cases and these early outbreaks, they were largely confined or they were largely due to animal to human transmission. Is, would that be a correct assessment? Yes, we, yeah, that's why it's called monkeypox because people were identified as having had, having had contact, direct contact with monkeys, either among hunters or consumers of monkey flesh, monkey meat, or else people who had pets as well, monkey pets in Africa. Yeah. The case fatality in the Congo area was relatively high, but around 10% or could be as high as 10% of the diagnosed cases. But surveillance, of course, was more likely to pick up death from this disease than cases right. who had occurred around those deaths. So those case fatality rates have to be about their actual validity. In Nigeria, the case fatality could be around 2-3%, perhaps up to 5%, but again, the same issue of surveillance arises right. there, where the denominator of people who have had exposure to and have been infected by monkeypox and more unlikely to be known that the number of deaths that occurred with the suspected diagnosis of the, uh, the question arose as to what the actual reservoir among the animal population, wild animal population, for monkeypox could be. It is assumed today that it probably is among the rodent population, monkeys serving uni uniquely as a vector between rodents and human populations. But the actual most prevailing source of or reservoir in the animal population has not been ascertained yet. So let's come forward. And, yeah, we can yeah. go forward to the current. Yeah. So in, in 2022, earlier this year, around April or May, the first cases of monkeypox was reported in Spain and in Portugal. They were still being reported in Africa, naturally, but I'd like to differentiate the epidemic or the status of monkeypox in endemic countries, mostly the Congo area and Nigeria, and the spread of monkeypox in countries that were not endemic for monkeypox, that were minority epidemics. So the first epidemic, the first outbreaks were noted in Portugal and in Spain, actually first diagnosed in the United Kingdom. And they were assumed to be related to gay prides that are the Canary Islands and in, other, in Madrid and other places in that part of Europe. Pride events. 
Yes, pride events and other events as well relating to or involving the population of men having sex with men, mostly. Then cases were picked up in other countries in Europe, certainly the United Kingdom, France, Sweden, Germany, and basically most countries in Europe today. There are about 70 countries today that have experienced cases of monkeypox. And in all situations, those cases were mostly associated with the population of men having sex with men, which yeah. will raise a, a set of issues I will, I will discuss later, and did not seem to spill over to the female population or even to be transmitted from mother to child, mother to fetus, did not seem to have much contact beyond the recognized community, which cons- com- which represented 96-97% of the cases of monkeypox that were diagnosed. The transmission occurred through contact, particularly involving intimate contacts, sexual contacts, and that can be shown by the distribution of mm-hmm. pox uh, vesicles or pox diagnosable skin effects. And there were, for example, cases of many cases of proctitis involving the anal area and so forth, which resulted in the suspicion that while monkeypox could transmit through skin-to-skin contact anywhere on the body, sexual contact was an added risk factor for transmission. So the disease, we have to say something about its clinical manifestation because it has to be looked at in the context of the international health regulations. Is it a catastrophic disease in the South? Is it in the North? It is certainly in terms of the number of cases that have been reported with monkeypox. To date, about 70,000, probably over that, probably close to 100,000 cases. And this is a painful disease. And so one should not minimize the expression of monkeypox among humans. This is an issue, but the mortality remains very low, close to zero, really, anywhere. So people will recover after two, three weeks, and everything will be fine again. May I ask a question? The number of cases that you referred to earlier, are these known cases or are these known as well as probable cases given the disparities and inequities and just the lack of testing available? Yeah, these are confirmed cases. So people who have been laboratory confirmed with monkeypox, but there are many more who have not, and many more asymptomatic cases as well. So it's very hard to really take the actual dimensions of the epidemic that is ongoing. There are cases, the question comes very often as to whether the healthcare providers can be exposed to monkeypox. Yes, they can, but the evidence as of today is very poor. There are a few male care providers who have been diagnosed with monkeypox, but their own set of personal risk extended beyond being care providers. And therefore, the source of contacts is maybe unclear in those cases. May I ask, given all of this information, can you give us some insights into the process that the WHO undertakes in order to make a decision declaring a condition of public health emergency of international 
concerns. Yes, I will highlight that. And I will also address the issue of why monkeypox raises additional issues that the IHR has not taken into account thus far or moderately. The international health regulations were adopted by the World Health Assembly in 2005 at a time when pandemics had already hit the world. And they they intended to basically create a legislation that all countries would abide to very promptly notify new outbreaks of diseases that fit three criteria. And those criteria in order to determine whether this was or had to be declared as a public health emergency of international concern, where that once it was an extraordinary event, meaning that it was sudden or it was serious or it was unusual or it was an unexpected or a combination thereof, then you would declare that this was an extraordinary event. This was the First criteria. The second criteria is that as the decision that to be made as whether this was a public health emergency worldwide was whether it was spreading to countries that had not experienced the disease before. And the third was whether there was any decision to be made about international travel or international trade prevent the disease from spreading further. And so these were the three criteria. Now, these three criteria, as you realize, as you hear them, are pretty subjected to personal interpretation and also to factors affecting the spread and the response to the spread of the disease that were not clear at the time of the international health regulations. So in each case, and this has been the case for COVID, this has been the case for SARS, this has been the case for Zika Mm -hmm. and several other epidemics, the WHO establishes a commission. And I was privileged to become a member of this commission to advise the director general who has the last word on this and he's, he's to make the decision, but the advice could come from, comes from the commission that looking at those three criteria determines whether a fake should be declared or not. So the first cases having occurred in April or May in Europe, the first meeting of the commission was held in June, 20, June 21st, if I remember well. And the commission, which has a mix of members specializing in biomedical aspects of the disease, others specializing in epidemiology, some coming from African countries, others from other continents, representing a panel that could provide different inputs to the commission recommendation. The commission determined at this first meeting that it... Monkeypox was not necessarily to be declared as a, as a public health emergency of international concern. And I'll explain why. This was published by WHO in its report on the first meeting. The concern, the most accurate or acute concern, was that this disease had been evidenced and be, as, as being largely associated with homosexual communities and practices. To determine this was a public health emergency, 
adding to the fact that the disease was still called monkeypox, we hope that the Committee on Taxonomy will one day change that term, which is in a way stigmatizing, if not insulting, that if we were to declare a public health emergency, what would happen to the men having sex with men or homosexual community more broadly? You have to know that in the world today, there are 70 countries in the world that still have criminalization in their law on homosexuality. And of those six have homosexuality as a potential reason for the death penalty. So to add to this stigma and discrimination, something that would again cast the LGBT plus community as the deep cause of that new epidemic was a real issue. So we looked at what was being done in countries that were newly affected And the evidence showed and was published that many countries in the South were still monitoring their monkeypox epidemics, which again, occasionally broke out in one way or another at one time or another, and had certainly to improve their surveillance. And my personal opinion now, and I will not share the discussion in the commission, but my personal opinion is that surveillance definitely has to be improved, but monkeypox may not be the best entry point. That we are talking about integrated surveillance when you look at newly discovered diseases, but also many other diseases that affected those countries. So a major effort and a major investment should be made to improve surveillance and response capacities in countries in Africa that are endemic for monkeypox. In contrast in the North, countries that were affected by, newly affected by monkeypox did a pretty good job improving surveillance, applying contact tracing with what was reported in the media as a very active participation of people who were infected through providing information for contact tracing. There was no, at the time, might have changed by now, but at the time there was no rejection of explaining where they were a couple of weeks before the onset of fever and the disease. They were very willing to participate to contact tracing, which allowed to warn potential contacts about the fact that they needed to be examined, they needed to be diagnosed, and so forth. So the fear of adding stigma and discrimination against a population that is chronically still stigmatized, discriminated against, was in a way acted as a disincentive to declare it as a public health emergency at that point. Between June and July, the number of cases, reported cases and confirmed cases rose from 20 to probably around 70,000 cases today in Europe and the US estimated. And a second meeting of the committee was called, which is a regular process in the international health regulation arrangements. So the committee met again And after a debate, it also concluded again that this was an emergency from a public health perspective of international concern. And again, it's because the stigma discrimination was still pretty much threatening, present and threatening, again, particularly countries that had a 
accelerant law criminalizing homosexuality. At the same time, we were informed by countries that what they were doing was pretty active and pretty widespread and to control the disease. So we were not clear about what the added value of declaring a public health emergency of international concern would be over and above what was being happening in countries in the endemic world while stigma and discrimination was the threat. Yes, please. I, I was just going to interrupt, but at the same time, the number of cases among men who have sex with men and gay men and, and, and other sexual minority men was increasing. And so yes. the desire to not make a, a recommendation to increase stigma was sort of counterbalanced by this also increasing cases in the same population and this focus on that population as well as, as the core group where increased number of cases were being observed. Absolutely. Which could also further enhance, further increase stigma in that group. It could definitely. So if you look at the decision made by the director general, who had already called an alert on monkeypox, even before the first meeting with the commission, and had a number of documents in the WHO archives that tell countries or advise countries as to what to do to control threatening pandemics, epidemics, but specifically monkeypox as well. And those actions always called for engaging the U plus community in, in the response to monkeypox. And this was happening. I have a person outside the commission and outside um, the literature that you can read on that. I've always been concerned that the term engaging a community, whether LGBTQ plus or other communities in something means you've got to talk to them, just talk to them. That's not good enough. Right. I've worked in HIV over a number of years. What made a difference is when LGBTQ communities not only were engaged, but they actually were taking the lead right. and deciding what to do and doing it. And that was far more powerful to empower those communities and devolve resources to them with mutual accountability between governments and community-based organizations that would co-finance to really bring about very positive results. HIV showed it. We'll not expand on this, but it's enough to look at the history of HIV to have the proof of that. Yes, the number of cases increased. The mortality remained very low. There has not been a single death today in Europe, nor in the US, reported as being caused by monkeypox. So that should not be the only criteria, but it's just an indication that the debate as to whether it should be a top priority across the world, where there are ongoing pandemics that are really severe and killing and whatnot, that is a very difficult dilemma. May I ask, no. given all of this information, where do we go next? Where, what is our next step in dealing with and addressing effectively this pandemic? Okay. The next step, actually, there are steps that started even before the second meeting of the commission or the second announcement by the Director General of WHO. One is to improve surveillance and contact tracing. And it is in endemic countries, Remarkable what is being done about that. And that 
protects confidentiality and yet provides very valuable data as to the magnitude of the spread and the magnitude of impact of monkeypox on these and other populations. There are surveillance mechanisms that are also focused on other members of the LGBTQI plus population. For example, women having sex with women or bisexual and binary people. And that, that keeps being a, a, an important factor of surveillance as well. Early notification to WHO is occurring with delays of perhaps one, two weeks, depending on the complexity and the size of the country. And so there is fairly good monitoring, except, as I said, that there are cases that are asymptomatic. There are cases who do not wish to be declared as infected. And so the first thing is to improve surveillance, contact tracing, reporting, and prompt analysis of data coming from there. The second dimension is facilitated by the fact that we've got vaccines now against monkeypox. We had vaccines against smallpox that could certainly prevent or reduce the spread of monkeypox, but these vaccines were found a bit more aggressive than they ought to be for a disease that had very little severity, if you will, monkeypox in this case. And so it was not found appropriate to apply the smallpox vaccine to contacts of monkeypox cases or persons infected with monkeypox. But new vaccines against monkeypox with very reduced uh, side events are available. The question is that they are not available in large quantities. And the question of allocating those resources to the most risk population is an important one, and it varies from one country to the next, depending on the availability, the size of the stockpile of vaccines, and the access to communities that are exposed to the risk. But vaccination policy has been promulgated now in many several European countries. It is not yet performed in the two areas in Africa that are most exposed to uh, monkeypox. But there is a scheme similar to the scheme applied to COVID vaccines that are being discussed now. And hopefully those vaccines will soon become available to those two areas of Africa. And there is a treatment. It's not a very costly treatment, but its production is, has been limited thus far. It's been approved by the FDA in the US and by the its equivalent in Europe, the IMEA. So it can be used as well. It seems to have some effectiveness on the disease once it's been declared. Not major, perhaps, but it does improve the, the course. And then there are all, also all sorts of other treatments alleviating pain, fever, and other symptoms that ensure that people who are already affected can have some comfort as the disease evolves. Then the... Other branch of the strategy or component of the strategy is to isolate those cases or potential contacts. And the isolation should occur for 21 days. Yes. And I have a concern here, which is that people within the gay community, the MSM communities, very often, or some people, are isolated. They live alone in their home in times uh, below poverty level or in very hard 
you know, situation, hard conditions. And if you have to uh, impose the isolation to those people, we have to impose that as was done uh, not sufficiently during the, the early waves of COVID, that these people are assist assisted and provided with the essential living the needs. supplies that they, that they need. So that basically is what... Is there a documented declining trend? There are early signs that in some areas there are, but if you look at a small country, it's easier to determine there is a declining trend in that country. If you look at the U.S. overall, yeah. it seems that the U.S. is affected sort of state after state and so forth, and that the epidemics are succeeding, overlapping, but succeeding to each other. And so if you look at the general trend in the U.S., you'll get more probably a flat trend or a rising trend still. But in countries that have been affected for three to six weeks, it seems that the incidence, the new cases of monkeypox tend to decline. And so one has to learn more from the, the behavior of these epidemics and know at what point we are hopeful that it will be declining and it will decline and be controlled. Thank you, Danielle. I really appreciate this opportunity to discuss this current pandemic steps that have been taken by the WHO and in, in considering its declaration as a public health emergency of international concern and what further steps we need, not only for this pandemic, but for future pandemics that we will undoubtedly be witnessing. Help, help, help. Help, help, help.